Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and Mr. Taylor, whose writings on the industry you can regularly read over at The Wrap, and whose musings on the Mission Impossible movies you can now listen to on Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. Uh, he and I are recording this week's show on Sunday, July 16th, 2023. And you were last night at the world premiere of the Haunted Mansion movie at Disneyland? Yes, the world premiere of that was less a world premiere and more of a fan event because there were no actors or anyone there uh, because of the strike. I saw that. I mean, I guess they had to do something, but they had the physical plant from, like, the Pirates movie, a giant screen on the Rivers of America, all that? Or? No, it was actually in the Hyperion Theater, which I believe, on the subject of Lone Ranger uh, at mm-hmm. Disneyland, was where one of the screens was for that world premiere 10 years ago. So, yeah, it was in Hyperion. There was a step and repeat, like, red carpet kind of thing over by the actual attraction, and you could walk on the attraction, oh. you know, after you made your loop. Although you'll appreciate this, Jim, that somebody's dress got caught in the Omnimover track and they had to shut it down for a while. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, I, I'm embarrassed that I'm only just now putting this together because they had mentioned that Rogers the Musical wasn't going to be presented this weekend. And, well, duh, of course, if they're doing the movie there, that's why it would shut down. Yeah, they turned it into a Dolby certified uh, theater. So, yeah, it was pretty. it was pretty nice. But what a schlep to have to do the step and repeat in front of the mansion and then hike all the way back to DCA to watch the movie. Yeah, you actually got on a shuttle behind Splash Mountain. Oh. Which I never knew how much finished rock work was facing back of house. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. 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 I would imagine you got a peek at the work on Tiana. Yes. Which yes. you can't talk about. No, 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 no photos, no photos. We, no they photos. actually threatened to take our phones away in the bus, which I, oh. I, I thought was kind of an empty threat, Jim, but, you know, I don't, oh, I don't know. Oh, God. All right. And obviously still embargoed on Mansion. No, I can talk about it. I, I, I really, really liked it, actually. Oh. I thought it was a lot of fun. It's a little more, mm-hmm. it was a little more emotional than I thought it was going to be, actually. Wow. Okay. And just great visual effects, great production design. Yeah, it was uh, it was great. It was really a lot of fun. A little there's some pacing issues here and there, but it's it's mm-hmm. a ton of fun, and I think it'll be a new kind of Disney Halloween classic, is my guess. Wow. Yeah. And a self-contained story, or did we leave threads dangling? I think that there is always a possibility, Jim, that perhaps a Phantom Manor or perhaps a Mystic Manor could even be- become part of the story. Oh. That's my guess. Okay. Where this could go. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, cool, 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 cool. And, and I'm, I'm so glad you got to do that, though. Again, you, you, you sound a little tattered from from your trip down the five and back. Yeah, I was, it was rough. It was when mm-hmm. you, I got your email after I left and I was like, oh, God, if only he knew what this trip was. 
Okay, well, speaking of driving down the five, down there, of course, is San Diego and Comic-Con International supposed to get underway Thursday of this week, July 20th, uh, with preview night on the 19th. And on last week's show, we touched on a number of the animation-related panels that were going to be presented at the, this week year's event. And did you see where the SAG strike now is impacting some of those panels? Like, you know, the uh, a lot of the actors who do voice work on a number of animated series, Archer, Bob's Burgers, Solar Opposites, and The Great North, originally supposed to get on, participate in panels and do autograph sessions on the floor. They've now announced that in support of the SAG strike, they're not going. And likewise, two of the Warner Brothers home entertainment animated features that we're going to be presented there and then have panels afterwards, Metalopolis, Army of the Doomster, and Babylon 5, The Road Home, the actor-driven panels, uh, or at least the actor portion of those panels are no longer, no longer going to happen, and likewise the autograph sessions. A couple of things I want to point out here. We mentioned on last week's show that we were still waiting on the entertainment schedules for Saturday and Sunday. Those have since come through, and just want to ram home uh, some info for folks. If you're going... And again, just want to remind folks, you need to be credentialed. And if you don't have a badge, you're not getting in because it's sold out. But on Saturday, July 22nd, there are two panels that celebrate streaming shows. Uh, we have Snoopy Lives It Up on Apple TV. That's uh, to support the Camp Snoopy show. That will be in room 6BCF from 1030 to 11 a.m., Meanwhile, Futurama, which I want to remind folks, uh, debuts on Monday, July 24th. Uh, so we're 10 days out from that now. Ballroom 20 from 11 a.m. to 11.45. They're doing a presentation there. And then did we talk on last week's show about camping out at San Diego Comic-Con where you basically plant yourself in a room for a bunch of different presentations? Yeah, um, Jim, this is a triggering comments this i need more <laughs> therapy before i can get into this yeah the way yes, that, that that room that. smells after about four of these sessions is really it haunts me it does but but again that's the thing of when you're an entertainment writer and that's your beat i mean for example if you park yourself in ballroom 20 on saturday you can immediately after futurama you could do the american dad and the family guy presentation and pick up info also, if you head over to room 5AB, uh, they're doing a celebration of the 31st anniversary of X-Men, the animated series. Though the one I think I personally would want to attend, uh, this is going to be in room 10 from 1130 to 1230. They're doing a Lottie Reiniger remembrance. She's the, the woman who directed the very first animated feature, The Adventures of Prince Achman. You ever watch that all the way through? Or? I don't know if I have. I'm sure I watched parts of it at least in my animation classes in college. But well, it's what paper cutout, yeah. black and white silhouettes. I mean, <laughs> and it's silent, so it it's it's a lot to have to sit there and sort of tough it out. But again, it it predates Disney Snow White by a dozen or more years. You know, so it, it was the first. Feature-length animated feature. Well, Jim, I, I also have a little new an, uh, Comic-Con news here. Which is? Tuesday, okay. Which is, if you go see the Ninja Turtles panel on Thursday morning, mm -hmm. you will be treated 
by a host that might be familiar to our listeners. Mm-hmm. Me. I will be hey. hosting the Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem panel in Hall H on Thursday at 11.30 a.m. And if you come and you see me wandering around the, the show floor or, mm-hmm. you know, looking for my glasses as a as an advan- a man of my advanced age, please say hello. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we're gonna, we'll be talking turtles on Thursday. That is so cool. I finally, finally, there's that little, like, two-minute-long clip that showed up on online last week from the film. And I now finally get what you were talking about. It looks so great. And yeah. I also have to say, it is really kind of a genius touch that for the first time ever, the turtles are voiced by actual teenagers. I mean, it really does change those characters. And it's totally of a piece, too, because it's like, Oh, the movie looks like it was drawn by teenagers. Oh, teenagers actually are voicing the car- the turtles. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's ingenious. I-, I love it so much. It's just so wonderful. This is not me, you know, talking about some movie that I don't really care about. It's like, you know, this is really great, and I can't wait to um, to share more details. You and Charles were prepping some Light the Ooze episodes of uh, Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. Are, yeah, are those we're still, coming we're down still the gonna pipe? be doing those, and, and Charles will be joining me on stage uh, at oh. All H, so yeah, this come on cool. up. Yeah. Especially given that this year's Comic-Con just is in the shape it's in. I'm going to be fascinated to hear your, your stories from San Diego. Are you just going down for the day? Or? Yeah, I think I'm just going to go down for the day. I I just want to kind of visit a couple of booths afterwards and walk around mm-hmm. for a minute, and then I think I'm I'm done. Okay, okay. As Riggs once told Murtaugh, <laughs> Jim, or maybe it's the other way around. Yeah. I'm too old for this stuff. Let's say that about there, the family show. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, moving on now to Sunday, July 23rd. Kind of interesting. We're getting a uh, an audience participation event in room 6BCF. It's Rob Marshall, Little Mermaid, the sing-along edition, which if it's debuting here, is there any talk of that actually going out to theaters or is this... Just something, an extra feature for the DVD Blu-ray? I mean... It sounds like something that they might want to think about using in Guantanamo Bay. I think, Jim. (laughs) All right. Speaking of the Disney princesses, um, there's a panel on Sunday called Draw Me Like One of Your Disney Girls, which if I were down there at San Diego, I'd love to check this out because these are actual Disney artists who are going to be drawing women who've actually been figure models for various uh, animated films uh, and animated series. And the interesting thing is the way this is set up is that they will be, as they're doing the drawings, they will also be fielding questions from the audience and talking about the various projects they've worked on, which sounds genuinely cool to me. Also in room 29 CD, there is Looney Legends in Conversation with Jack Bergman, who uh, you probably recognize as the voice of Bugs Bunny, but it's him paired with Noel Blank, who is Mel Blank's son. Was this the guy who in the 90s was kind of trying to set up the Mel Blank kind of enterprise? 
Haven't we talked about this before? Remember they were in that commercial together and some other things? Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I completely understand how Mel Blanc might have wanted to sort of pass the family business off to his son, Noel. And I think that's what they were trying to position. But ultimately, it's the studio that decides who is the best voice for the character. And in fact, Jeff is one of many over the past 20, 25 years who voiced Bugs. Because every time a new project comes along, whoever is producing it wants their spin on Bugs. And invariably, they recast. But that's out there. And while we're talking about voice professionals, have you heard about Jim Cummings? He's now got a podcast tuned in with Jim Cummings. No, it sounds like he's kind of t- trying to take our name, Jim. Should we go beat him up? <laughs> well, I, I actually like Jim. No, Jim's a lovely guy. And what are the point? He has so many amazing I mean, you ever heard him tell the story of how he got into voice acting? Wasn't he, I, I want to say he was managing a video store and managed to score one audition and the whole career took off from that? People do not understand how much Jim Cummings was voicing in, like, the 80s and 90s. I was literally watching a behind-the-scenes Terminator 2 featurette from, it must Mm -hmm. have been a tape or something, or maybe a TV show, a TV special, and he was the narrator. I mean, it's just insane how much stuff he did. Trailers and, you know. That's it, exactly. And and the people he did... The ADR replacement for and, and all of that, but yeah, you, well, yeah, Jim, on the ADR replacement, you should ask any, anybody who bumps into Jim Cummings, ask him how much he sang of Be Prepared for Jeremy. <laughs> no, no, that's it exactly. Or Paul Hutton's song in uh, Pocahontas. No, same thing. It, it, the, Jim Cummings is everywhere, and that's why this new show of his tuned in with Jim Cummings, which debuted. Back on June 12th, there's only five episodes so far. I think the sixth one is actually dropping tomorrow, July 17th. But I always enjoyed interviewing Jim. He always has amazing stories. And just the fact that in his first five shows, he talks about bonkers and whatever a train wreck of a production that was. Oh, Jim, now you've got me hooked. I love bonkers. Yes. Okay. I'm in. I'm in. Okay, okay. So the, the same thing here. I'm, I'm just looking for the car trip where I set it up and binge all of the episodes. And now, while you're checking out other things online here, I, I have a favorite to ask, folks. Mark Goldhaber, formerly of Mouse Planet, has set up a GoFundMe for Disney historian Jim Corcus. By the way, whose very first book, there are 30, and I know because I recently bought a copy of every single one of them, Cartoon Confidential. Corcus wrote that back in 1991 with Jim Cawley. Anyway, I have known Mr. Corcus too many years to count. 10 or 15 years ago, Mr. Corcus and I had kind of a shtick where we would do Disneyana events and we would do the Jim and Jim show, where basically it was two guys who knew too much about Disney standing on stage doing the Can You Top This bit. I bring this up because Mr. Corcus had a hard fall back in February, which led to a hospital stay. And you know the terrible things about hospitals is is once you're in there, the doctors find things. And in in Mr. Corcus's case, they found a major arterial blockage, which led to open-heart surgery and a quadruple bypass. And while they were in the neighborhood and they had him open, uh, they took a look at Mr. Corcus's colon, and that's when they discovered he had cancer, which had since spread to his liver. 
Jim Corcus is currently saddled with a, a ton of medical bills. And we don't need him worrying about that. We need him to concentrate on getting well and getting back to writing Disney stories. So if you could please swing by this GoFundMe thing that Mark Goldhaber has set up and make a donation, throw a few bucks Mr. Corcus's way, I know that Mr. Taylor and I would be most appreciative. Uh, by the way, they are all already more than two-thirds of their way to their goal of $60,000. So anything you can do here would help out. Me personally, I'm pulling from Mr. Corcus because those old farts got to stick together. And speaking of older folks, Hayao Miyazaki is 82 years old. And his most recent film, which is supposed to be his last animated movie, but yeah, Mr. Miyazaki, we've heard that before, Open at theaters this past week. Um, Drew, have you been following the, the reviews that have been bubbling up for How Do You Live? Well, I've seen some sentiment, Jim, but I've been trying to stay away from specifics because, mm -hmm. as you know, this movie, which in Japan mm -hmm. is titled How Do You Live, I believe, and in America will be Did called The Boy and the Heron. There we go. Okay, and can you share the news there? Or? Yeah, so the, it'll be out... From G Kids, which we kind of assumed G Kids would take the lead on this one, but we did not have mm -hmm. confirmation until Tuesday. It was very funny because G Kids reached out because I had been pestering them like for the past few months, like, are you going to announce? Like, are you guys doing it? What, what's going on? Mm -hmm. So, of course, they mm -hmm. had to say, yes, yes, we are. Calm down. It's coming tomorrow. I think, <laughs> you know, settle down, son. Um, okay. Okay. But I predict probably a December release is my guess for awards qualification for next year. But that makes sense. In keeping with the Japanese release, which only had one teaser poster of a very kind of elliptical mm -hmm. painted image, no mm -hmm. synopses, no images, no interviews, mm -hmm. no press, just mm. opened in Japan. It sounded a little befuddling. Like I saw something where it was like, you're going to have to watch this a few times to understand what's going on. But I am just so excited about this, Jim. I cannot wait. What, what, how are you feeling? Same thing. I am trying not to learn too much going in because this is supposedly perhaps Miyazaki's most personal film. But there's this great story about the actual screening at Studio Ghibli that finally, after this thing being in the works, they run it for the staff there. The lights come up in the auditorium and everyone's kind of sitting there in a daze. And then a, a statement is read to everyone in the audience from Hayao Miyazaki himself, which says, perhaps you didn't understand it. I myself don't understand it. So it's like, wow. I thought you were going to say the statement read, if you say anything about the contents <laughs> of this movie, you're going to get your legs broke. <laughs> But. Sponsored by the Yakuza. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, what's interesting is Miyazaki has done a teeny tiny itty bitty amount of press for this thing and just wants people to know going in that this is darker, more challenging, and more personal than many of his earlier films, as he described them, for children. And he said, he goes on to say, I've made several works about boys who are cheerful, bright, and positive, but that's not the way many boys really are. I myself was a person who was really hesitant. So I thought I'd create a hero who is slow to run and has a lot of embarrassing things inside that he can't share with others. And when you overcome something with all of your strength, then you become the version of yourself who can accept 
such problems. And I'm thinking we're not going to see a whole lot of plush from this film. I, 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 I could be wrong. But anyway, 124 minutes long, folks. And as, as Drew just said, I, I think that makes sense. Out in time for, by December of this year, for rewards consideration. But it also sounds like everybody I'm seeing that's seen this online keeps talking about, I got to go back, I got to see it again. So I, I think in this situation, when G-Kids typically does an English dub version and a subtitle, I think I'm probably springing for tickets for both. You know, and just yeah. go back twice and see if I can figure out what's going on. We'll see what, yeah, we'll see what kind of release it has. I hope it will mm -hmm. be be beyond the, like, one night only kind of thing. I would hope so, but what's interesting about G-Kids is typically they do that limited release to prime the pump for uh, the Blu-ray DVD. Yes, and we are thankful for their home video efforts. As Jim, we stated last week that physical media collection is a moral imperative, as we know. There but, we go. Yeah. There we go. And I think Bob Iger would say pretty much the same thing right now. Oh, boy. <laughs> Tell you what, folks, when, when Drew and I get back, we are going to talk about what Bob Iger recently had to say about why he thinks Pixar's latest Elemental hasn't exactly been burning up the box office. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a weird, weird time to be covering animation. I mean, on, on one hand, we have Nickelodeon Animation Studios celebrating its 25th anniversary. But in the same window of time, everyone who works in the, in the Cartoon Network building in Burbank, the one over on North 3rd Avenue, has been told they need to be out by August 1st because this is another one of David Zaslav's moves of corporate consolidation and cost containment that eventually everybody's moving to a, a newer, lower cost facility, which might be on the lot. Have you been hearing that about Cartoon Network? I or? had heard that they were going to those crazy glass buildings along the 134, the new. Oh, okay. I forget what they call them, the ice blocks or whatever. They're actually a Frank Gehry design, which I'm very mm -hmm. into, but, um, yeah, that's super depressing. I know mm -hmm. people have really lovely memories, and as you and I know oh, yeah. from history, yeah. time mm -hmm. and time again, that those creatives uh, flourish mm -hmm. by being removed from the larger corporate entity. That is an interesting point. That is an interesting point. But at the same time, I think what frustrates me about this is that, again, this was one of those situations where you know the building on 3rd was it Gennady who was actually part of the, yeah, this building and we need to set it up this way? Yeah. You know, they said why they said those original Pixar movies were so much better than what Disney was producing. And they said the answer was 500 miles, Jim. So, you know, <laughs> even a little distance helps a lot. <laughs> it does. It does. Now, streaming has upended the entertainment industry. And the standard rules apply. Uh, 
when you look at something, the box office and say the Super Mario Brothers or Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, when you look at the amount of money those movies make, it's like, okay, that's a hit. Whereas something like Pixar's Elemental, that story is a little less clear-cut. I mean, look, there was obviously what people were saying about this Peter Sam movie when it first came out on June 16th, and what's being said now, a month later, that when Elemental came out on June 16th, it stumbled coming out of the gate. It, it only made $29.6 million in its first weekend at opening uh, North America, and only one other Pixar film has made less than that for its domestic opening, and that was the original Toy Story back in November of 95, which, if you would just for inflation, uh, actually sold $39 million worth of tickets. So there were people who used softer terms like disappointment. There were people who used other terms like bomb or disaster, that sort of thing. But if we jump ahead to today, four weeks later, the narrative associated with the Peter Sam movie has changed slightly. Now, Elemental's box office numbers are $119 million domestic, 144 overseas. So it's made... 263 million worldwide to date. And if we compare that to how Pixar's Lightyear did last year, where that was 118 million total domestic, 108 total overseas. So worldwide, that was $226 million. I've actually got updated numbers for you, Jim, and it's looking like it's after this weekend, 311 million worldwide. Really? Not too bad. Yeah, I've heard from a number of people that it is like a sensation in Korea. Mm-hmm. And if you remember to a couple of years ago, the only reason that mm-hmm. Aladdin, the live action version, crossed yep. the billion yep. dollar mark was because mm-hmm. Korea was obsessed with it. So in our clickbaity being the first to jump on something and be negative, that's how this film was framed. No getting around the fact that Elemental is doing better business in the summer of 2023 than Lightyear did in the summer of 2022, though I still have to say that I liked that Angus McLean movie. Yeah, it's wonderful. Though, talking with folks at Disney, and they point out that Lightyear opened with a $50 million, you know, uh, in North America, and then the business fell off quickly, where what's interesting about Elemental is it's been a consistent performer, which tells Disney and the folks at Pixar that the word of mouth is far better on Elemental. Though, have you heard that John Lasseter supposedly really disliked the story for Lightyear? No, I haven't heard that. Who, where, where did this come from? I was chatting with our mutual friend recently, and evidently he heard directly from John in no uncertain terms that he said that that's not the character we came up with. So to pivot to somebody that John Lasseter used to work with, Bob Iger, did you catch the interview last week on CNBC Squawk Box? Uh, they, they chatted with Bob while he was up in Sun Valley doing the annual get-together of all of the media moguls. You mean when they trotted out the cuddliest CEO in town and uh, he went full scorched earth? It was an interesting interview, and to watch what happened with the folks out on the the SAG picket lines afterwards between Fran Drescher and Sean Gunn, yeah, that was interesting. But 
we're talking today about why Iger feels that Elemental underperformed. And he said, there were three Pixar releases in a row that went directly to streaming, in part because, well, mostly because of COVID. And I think that may have created an expectation in the audience that they're going to eventually be on streaming and probably quickly. And there wasn't an, an urgency to catch these movies while they were out in theaters. And I think that there was some, and I think you'd have to agree, there was some creative misses as well. So I know there's this narrative on the right that what's going on here, you know, or whether it's the box office elemental or, or the like, is, is woke Disney. But I think Iger's actually on to something here that people have gotten savvy to the fact that they no longer need to rush out to a theater to see a Disney or Pixar film, that if they're willing to wait a few months or sometimes a few weeks, that very same movie is going to show up on Disney+. Plus. So how do you unmake that omelet? I mean, how do you convince the audience that, no, you really do need to go see this in a theater, that it's an event? In fact, the person I was speaking with at Disney suggested that this, this is the reason back in February they announced that Frozen 3, uh, Story, Toy Story 5, and Zootopia 2 were on the way, that companies hoping to legitimately position these as events. But have you heard about the, the, the supposedly the new pressure on Pixar to bring down their production costs more in line with what, say, a DreamWorks and Illumination film costs? I haven't. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's part of their thinking. I don't know. I mean, the reason that Pixar movies are more expensive than Illumination movies is because they actually pay everybody a living wage and they're not farming out their animation to a vendor in mm-hmm. France which has mm-hmm. much more lenient things so i yeah i uh i don't know how they'll do that but the interesting thing is when you pay somebody a living wage who lives bay area adjacent in Emeryville and Oakland that's still pricey oh for sure yeah in LA isn't cheap as well and if we look at uh, just a quick rundown here of numbers for supposedly production costs for uh, Dreams and Illumination films. Uh, Puss in Boots, uh, The Last Wish earlier this was 90 to 110 million. Super Mario Brothers supposedly cost 100 million. Uh, Minion Rise of Gru last year was 80 to 100 million. Sing was 85 million. And then Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken was 70 million. And I, again, I still like that movie a lot, but it still did not do well. Uh, current. Box office numbers, uh, 13.6 million domestic overseas, 15.8. They're still shy of $30 million worldwide. Uh, But the interesting thing with a $70 million cost is at that price point, there's still stuff that a studio can do through bookkeeping magic to do some damage control. Whereas if we contrast that with the 200 million it reportedly cost to make Elemental, the 135 to 180 million Disney spent on Strange World, the $200 million that Pixar supposedly spent on Lightyear, uh, $175 million on Turning Red, $150 million on Pixar's Soul, uh, $150 to $200 million that's been quoted for the cost of making Luca. In this situation, the $116 million that Disney supposedly spent on Raya and the Last Dragon, likewise the $120 to $150 on Encanto, uh, looks affordable. And this is evidently the club that they're using right now. You know, it's like, look, 
Pixar films typically cost twice what DreamWorks and Illumination do. But as Drew just pointed out, there are reasons for that. You know, and all of this was fine as long as the Pixar films did big box office. But lately, they've been doing half with the Illumination and DreamWorks movies and been doing the box office, sometimes less than that. And I'm told that because of the whole crushing debt of the Fox acquisition, Iger is being vocal about that Pixar needs to do something about cost containment. Now, mind you, Inside Out 2, which is due in theaters in July 14th of next year, and Toy Story 5 are dealing with this in sort of a theoretical basis. But have you heard any of the stories coming off of Elio, the the Pixar film due out March of next year? In regards to what, Jim? Evidently, it's a wonderful story. Uh, In a really sweet film, they're doing great work up there in Emilyville. But this is a film that features a lot of alien characters. It features a lot of effects work. And evidently, they're having to justify everything in every single shot. You know, how many characters do you need? How much effects work? Making an animated film is already tough enough. But, you know, the notion of having to fight at this level over, you know, previously it was just make the best possible movie you can make, and now it's make the best possible movie you can make for the least possible amount of money. You know, the other thing about Elio Mm -hmm. and Inside Out 2 is that the SAG strike is happening and no Mm -hmm. actor can do voiceover work. Mm -hmm. And if you know anything about the way that animated movies are put together, and I suggest Mm -hmm. you watch the Frozen documentary... Into the Unknown on Disney Plus. If you want to see how down to the wire this stuff comes, yeah. uh, I think that we're going to see some some delays uh, on some of these releases, animated releases. I think for the rest of the year, things should mm-hmm. be okay. Yeah, in theory, things are far enough along on the stuff that's coming out this year. But you're not wrong. I mean, but yeah, Elio, but, but you also know, Jim, yeah. that people get replaced too, like years into production. So mm-hmm. it's gonna really, it's gonna affect things. So. No, 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 it is, it is. Okay, switching now to the Disney side of the street, and have you been following uh, that there's a a writer, Alex Rafe, who writes for Laughing Place. He's actually on that Adventures by Disney thing, the Disney Parks Around the, the, the World, the private jet adventure. He's on the thing, and he's been doing a trip diary over at Laughing Place. And I wanted to bring this up because you're, because you went to Annecy, you're one of the only people on the planet so far that's seen Once Upon a Studio. And, you know, anyone who's listened to the show knows how enthusiastic, you know, what you think of, of this film. But I wanted to share something that Alex wrote about their day. Uh, this is day two of the, the Disney parks around the world. And what they did is they started Disneyland. They took them for day to Walt Disney Studios. And this is what Alex wrote. Our first stop was a screening room where as a special surprise, directors Trent Corey and Dan Abrams screened Once Upon a Studio, a special short that celebrates the studio's 100th anniversary. And this tour was the second outside audience to see the short, which premiered at Annecy and features characters from every Disney animated film from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs through Wish. After the screening, Trent and Dan played a feature about Disney legend Bernie Mattinson, to whom the short was dedicated, 
And while the short had previously been announced as screening in theaters before Wish, the directors mentioned that Disney is currently evaluating how this short will be released. Have you heard anything about that? Nope. It's going on Wish. I don't know what I don't know what else they could do with it. I don't know if you saw, for example, the announcement just last week. How, for example, on I want to say two Sundays in August, they are running the first three episodes of Miss Marvel, and then the following Sunday, the next three episodes of Miss Marvel, which and then supposedly helps set up the the Marvels movie arriving in theaters in November. And I just wonder. You know, maybe there's a more innocent explanation here. Maybe they're looking for different ways to leverage it across other Disney delivery platforms. On the other hand, you know, we just did have Mr. Iger talk about potentially getting Disney out of the linear television business. So maybe not on that platform, but I'm fascinated by that. You know, the, the company is currently evaluating how the short will be released. Interesting, Jim. Very interesting. All right, we'll, we'll keep our, our eyes on that one for you folks. And speaking of things you should be keeping your eyes on and paying attention to, obviously, this weekend, uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 arrived in theaters, and I was seeing best for the franchise numbers box office wise in a couple of different places. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I think it was uh, it's off to a strong start, and... If you haven't seen it, go out, see it. It'll be big. Okay. So what's up next for the the official Mission Impossible podcast? Well, the day that this episode launches, we've got our big uh, Haley Atwell interview that is running. Oh. And then, yeah, and oh, then wow. later in the week, we have a really big treat, which is we had a mm-hmm. lovely uh, big chat with the entire cast, uh, as mm-hmm. well as McCory out of New York City right before the... New York premiere, and that is a really special episode that I hope everybody enjoys. How very cool. And and speaking of special, again, want to remind you folks, it's Thursday, right? Down at Comic-Con? Yeah, Thursday uh, at 1130. Doing- if you haven't slept overnight outside in the San Diego weather, just don't bother coming. And that's we really want the hardcore you know, fans to be there. So, no, so you are... I'm kidding. No, wait a minute. You're going to be in Hall H? You're, yes. It, it, I, Oh my God! Yeah. Wow! Yeah. Oh, I mean no that, that's huge. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I, I want a picture from the stage. Okay. All right. Okay. I have to see that. Okay. I have to see that. Yeah. Hall H, uh, eleven thirty a.m. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. Get ready. Oh, it's gonna be is, a pizza party. That is so yeah. cool. So cool. All right. Well, uh, you know, th- 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 nothing quite like that level of show business, folks. But we, we do have a couple of other podcasts here at Jim Hill Media we'd like you to check out. We, of course, have uh, Disney Dish that I do with Lentesto. We also have uh, Marvelous Disney, which I do with Aaron Adams, who, by the way, also has his own outside show, the uh, 32nd Street podcast, which discusses the world of advertising. Brian Gone, by the way, will actually be down in, in, in San Diego. Uh, he'll be uh, working at Bill Stout's vote. Booth, uh, but when he gets back, he's going to check in about all of the uh, Star Wars and Lucasfilm related things that he got to see while he was down at the convention center. Now, Drew, social media wise, I still see you on, on Twitter. Yeah, no, I'm still on Twitter and Instagram, and now I guess Threads and mm-hmm. 
and okay. Blue Sky, all the same handle, which is Drew Tailored, like a tailored shirt. Okay, and Nancy is getting our Threads account up, um, but we are, for now, we're on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media, over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. Final thing here, folks, if you could do Drew and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review, well, not just the show you're listening to now, Found Tuning, but also uh, like the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast, that would be great. Uh, and if you really, really, really like what you heard here, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be great too. And for now, I guess that will do it. Thanks for listening, folks, and we'll be back soon. <laughs>